Hello and welcome to the Business Extra podcast. I'm Andy Scott and over there on the other microphone is Mustafa Al-Rawi, the business editor for The National. Today we're going to be looking at MR. Have we finally reached the bottom of the cycle for the property market? And are we seeing uh, just a new bubble blowing up with hotels? And finally, as we're moving towards the skies, are we going to see a flying car in Dubai by July? So, Mustafa, yesterday was a very busy day for you, wasn't it? There was a slew of results, one of them being MR properties. Oh, I hope it was busy for you too, Andy. Um, tu- so I think Tuesday, it was, uh, what I meant was it was busy uh, for you. There maybe. You go. Uh, tu- so Tuesday uh, was an unprecedented volume of corporate earnings coming out of the UAE. Uh, you know, there's a deadline uh, that the regulator sets for when you have to report your full year first quarter numbers. And it, I think it's today on Wednesday. So... Uh, Everyone was trying to get in under the wire. Not everyone made it because uh, there were some wrists slapped as a result as several shares were suspended by by the regulator today, Wednesday, that is. Um, and, and so because they haven't actually put out their results. But it kept us very, very busy. And as you rightly say, one of those earnings was Imar Properties, uh, Dubai listed, as was Damak, another developer. We also had Aldar as well and, and loads of other companies. But you wanted to focus on... On, well, on what the results to, only, mean for Dubai property, correct? I'd like to let, let's start at the top, and uh, let's face, let's face it, MRR, the bellwether stock, and they have, they are proving themselves to be a very decent developer. So that's why I say let's start at the top. They had um, a figure which I, it, it, it surprised me that uh, last year they sold 14.4 billion dirhams worth of property, which was 41 percent more than the previous year. That in a bad year has got to be very good business. It has to be. On the on the face of it, it's very impressive. And certainly there is demand at the high end in Dubai. Everyone realizes that Imar, as you say, is is at that top end in terms of quality. And so if you are gonna buy a, a property off plan, you're gonna go with who you feel safest with and the best. And Imar is is probably fitting that bill right now. So can we say categorically that this is the end? of the downturn and and things are going to pick up. We've had so many reports from brokers in the last few weeks. um, And I think there's a split now. You know, we had a point, we were talking about this at the end of last year, where probably everybody agreed, yeah, yeah, we're at the bottom of the cycle. uh, But how long would we stay here? And now I think people are split on how long we're going to stay here. Some people are saying, you know what, the worst really is over. Uh, I think was it, that was the latest one was Azteco. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it seems as though there's even a split, if you like, in the city in that some areas are, are, are seeing positive growth. Others are still dropping. Their rents are dropping and the sales. Uh, the well, let's, let's take a step back and ask ourselves, what does this mean anyway? Let's say that the property market has come back. Does that tell anything? Tell us anything about the wider economy, or is it much more specific to the resilience of high-end property in Dubai? Well, I don't think MR is just a high-end property developer anymore. It was when it started, but I don't think I think now it is far more ubiquitous, and it, it tries to put out value properties, maybe not affordable, whatever affordable means, but they are decent value. They're very good quality, and they their maintenance charges are re- renowned for being affordable and easy uh, and therefore I think that's what they you're right people go to where they realize their money should, if, it, if there is if the money can be safe in property it's probably going to be safe at MR but the fact is as you said Damak came out Damak which is the second biggest property developer in uh, in the UAE it's, in, du- in Dubai in Dubai sorry its numbers weren't as strong 
And also a lot of its numbers and a lot of its positivity came about from land sales, not actually property sales. Now that suggests, okay, you're, you're selling to sub-developers, you're making money from, yeah, obviously, a, a, a land bank which you have, but not in property development. And as you said, Aldar, Aldar said there's still, a, what, I forget, there was a challenging market, was that the quote? Yeah, and Abu, I mean, Abu Dhabi is a different, different end of the cycle for sure. I mean, you, you, Dubai is at maybe six months yeah. to 18 months, depending on your assessment, ahead or behind, uh, <laughs> or, or depending on your perspective compared to Dubai. Um, certainly, they do, they do tend to, to be operating at, a different, uh, at different positions. Aldar said that they they expected to have lower income from property sales this year because they would focus more on the mid-market segment where they continue to see resilient demand, which makes sense because we had a whole period in Dubai where it was all about this mid-market uh, property segment, uh, affordable as you as you as you kind of you know said said with a, a twisted face, well, um, because we don't even know what that means anymore. Uh, but let's say let's keep it at mid market, shall we say, yeah. not the bottom end, not the top end, but somewhere where aimed at families, people trying to put down roots and and, and end users, if you like. Then the Aldar will be focusing on that is is probably sensible. And Dubai has been through that already, and that's where you're seeing a lot of the the demand perhaps coming from, rather yeah. than very flashy homes or sort of you know commoditized small units in the middle of nowhere somewhere in between but you would presume you see i I presume when you see mid-market or affordable slash of affordable that there is a a ready market there for it now of course there has been a problem of supply in abu dhabi with decent um decent property with decent rent that might be being now addressed which one could say, okay, so it, it hits their top line because obviously they're not bringing as many people, uh, as high flyers in, but people are now taking up more property. But is that true? Is, are, are people taking up these mid-market offers or are those rents falling on the mid-market offers? What's difficult to tell is why people are picking up these properties. How many are dedicated end users? How many are looking for yield in a very low interest rate environment in general? Uh, how many see uh, Imar properties, for example, in Dubai as a safe bet compared to where you could put your money elsewhere in the world? Certainly, we've seen a bit of a slowdown because the dirham pegged to the dollar is very strong, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. So that's impacted maybe some of the foreign investment coming in. But that creates an opportunity for some of the local investment. Now, how demonetization in India plays out is going to be very interesting as well because that was that was unexpected as we as we've yep. spoken about before yeah, yeah. Uh, and donald trump's election win from week to week we can't work out whether it's good or bad in terms of the economy uh, but certainly if you're sitting around with cash to burn and you're going to put it somewhere an imar or an aldar property in their respective markets it's probably is probably you know gold standard you'd expect well, yeah, one presumes. One presumes. Yeah, okay. So I, I think we've shown you now, listeners, that neither of us know actually where the property market's <laughs> going. Anyway, uh, but hotels, I think I can take a punt on that at the moment. They are suggesting there is going to be a hundred hotels built in Abu Dhabi and Dubai in the next five years. That's 29,000 rooms. That yeah. sounds to me. I mean, this is in an, in an area where there's already lack of demand. Where the demand is yeah. falling, room rates are falling, occupancies for falling, as you just mentioned about the the dollar, it's it's an expensive place to eat and drink and visit at the moment. 
that's it. I'm wondering what what's driving this. What is driving these this amount? This of, is this uh, is definitely uh, the, the classic chicken and egg uh, scenario, where we what will come first, the, the, the demand, the return of demand, or the rooms, uh, and will will that translate into a true glut? Now there are a hundred hotels, up to 199 is the exact figure according to analysts over the next five years. How many of those will actually be delivered, and when? will will determine what happens to the marketplace but one suggests that they're being planned yes you know, they're all, i mean yeah and therefore i mean yeah, you can't because you can't just sort of turn up and have a pop-up hotel when no. demand is there right so yeah so one believes that they are being built you know people yeah. are marking out the garden the, the, the sand and saying it's going to be there i presume yeah. that there's, there's going to be a lot around the palm as well which is already starting to see a lot more delivered on the palm. Again, driving room rates down. As I think we mentioned last week, the fact that all-inclusive deals in these five-star hotels, they're driving a lot of, of footfall into the hotels, but it doesn't help for the, the, the surrounding restaurants and f and I'm not sure, again, whether this is a, a necessarily a good thing. Oh, and I, I can't see why people would rush ahead into the hotel market at the moment. I, I, and right now, there's there's nothing to suggest you're wrong, uh, but things do turn around quite fast if the overall economy picks up. So again, you've got to plan somewhere. You've got to plan your investment. What the pace of when these things are delivered is gonna is gonna, as I said is gonna determine uh, how the market actually reacts. While they are on the drawing board and just a construction project, they are helping the construction sector, but not hindering the hotel sector. It's only once they are open. And yeah, letting out rooms yeah, yeah. that the That's other true. hotels will begin to begin That's to worry. True. But also, it means there'll be a natural churn. Some of the older properties that maybe aren't as competitive or are appearing to be more competitive than they should be will then probably disappear from the marketplace as these new ones open. And then they'll cater to different things. So we had a lot of five-star hotels, but not many three-star. So there'll be more of those coming along, for example. There'll yeah, be more commuter. It does help the diversity, I think. Yeah, yeah, more, yeah, more yeah. Sort, of, sort of thematic centric hotels ones catering to people who want to go to theme parks well i'm business glad you said travelers. that because actually well, i was going to say dxb entertainment didn't do very well did they yesterday well it's hard to tell because they've been open for two months so they're the they're analy- still listed I mean, well yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase what the analyst was saying they're saying they haven't hit their targets as we would have expected for the first two months it's always but, hard to hit a target a theme park a moving target yeah, in exactly. particular but um the the first year this year 2017 will be all in, will be significant because they will tailor their attractions better more attractions will open more people will hear about them and so it'll be it'll be better a better time to judge really at the end of 2017 rather than on two months of it being operational it did make the bulk of its revenues in two months which was quite impressive, actually. Uh, yeah, I agree. But I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it's again, it's market sentiment which drives market values and market sentiment wasn't particularly ebullient. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, yeah, I'm just saying that yeah, the, 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 the people who matter, as in the people buying the stocks and shares, weren't necessarily thinking, mm, yeah, they, I think it was on a snake or a ladder and they were on a snake. Anyway, Dubai flying. We're, we know we love it, but apparently we're going to have an automated flying vehicle in Dubai 
by July. You just, you're just encouraging everyone, I think, Andy. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, the, the sort of unmanned unmanned aerial vehicles give me the shivers. I mean, I, you know, we've be got, a brave man. It's going to yeah. be like the first man to eat an oyster is a mighty brave man. Well, <laughs> he might, well, he will very hungry. Automated flying vehicle. This from the RTA this week um, saying that they're testing these vehicles. It's interesting because we in the last sort of 18 months, the idea of, of aerial drones has, has become more and more uh, imminent or, or more and more real, particularly when Dubai's airport's been closed a few times because of, <laughs> yes. of incursions from drones. So, you know, we have to, to be cautious here. But does it excite the imagination for sure? In a week when Tesla um, said they were launching their electric cars in the UAE and, and, and now we're getting very excited about all the transport possibilities. And Leanne Graves wrote a great piece um, in the wake of um, the Tesla announcement that if uh, electric vehicles taken up as fast as uh, car manufacturers think, not the oil sector, which thinks it'll be much slower, then the amount of crude that be freed up for value-added products uh, could actually help the diversification efforts of countries like the UAE. Well, I spoke to a lot of dealers about that, the story that Leanne wrote, and a lot of them were saying that they had an event horizon of sort of 10 to 15 years yeah. about rather than imminent or, or near to But what I loved about the um, uh, Elon Musk's pitch um, in Dubai was he was like, okay, so um, petrol isn't that expensive here if you think about it compared to the America or, the, or yeah. Europe, but um, it's getting more expensive. Um, sorry, it's ch- it's much cheaper. Sorry, than there, but it's getting more expensive. But if you actually look at my cars, he said, and they don't need uh, fuel changes, uh, oil changes. They have very few mechanical moving parts. That's true. Yeah. They yeah. don't need to be in the shop every six months, and it, this is highly disruptive to the the business model of the car dealers. Because, you know, they, their model has been to sell you a cheap car because you'd have to keep coming back to them to service it, you know, into their ecosystem forever, in yeah. theory. Yeah. And the older a car gets, the more expensive it is to service. So the margins get better and better for them. So you imagine you put cars on the road that don't really need to be serviced. And of course, they're hoping the horizon sort of 10 to 15 years. You know, I've been dying to say this for a week. Um, you know, turkeys don't vote for Christmas. And, um, you know, there, there's been, there are quite a few turkeys out there at the moment. Well, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I think, I, as I said, I mean, you know, the dealers don't think that these uh, electric vehicles will be actually it's something to worry about for the next 10 to 15 years, which one can think that, I mean, you know, if they're the lack of servicing, the lack of charging stations, the lack of necessary, I mean, I'm sure Elon Musk, he sounds like a, a villain, but I don't know. Whether, but I, <laughs> Well, look, I, I, ran, I ran into um, uh, one of the Tesla people driving around Abu Dhabi the other day. Oh. I was at one of the hotels on Almaria Island and, and uh, she pulled up in her Model X, um, which is the, the SUV. Yeah. And, and I have to say that we're probably going to have to bear with anyone that drives a Tesla in the next couple of years because she did look exceedingly pleased with herself, <laughs> which I think most people behind the wheel of a Tesla will look and feel and behave um, well, they definitely will look a lot happier than the people in the flying automobile. yeah definitely they'll look they'll just look terrified but <laughs> but she was saying that that they were um really wanted to build up sort of the the network in, in residential areas you know and their model is to kind of go into retail and hotels so that whatever you're doing like you're going for your grocery shop this is the you're charging char- yeah this is yeah, you're yeah. charging up so it's the whole point is it's supposed to be seamless so the idea of sort of having charging stations at petrol stations is almost a, a red herring that's well, by I mean, the by that's right true. i'm sorry to interrupt but 
apparently the charging takes a lot longer than it would than to fill up your car. Of course, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's half an hour, an hour just to get... Well, we don't know where the technology is going to be, right? So you could say there's a charging station at a petrol station and it could be there for an hour. You're not going to do that. But if you're going to a mall for an hour anyway, or you're doing your shop at car yeah. four, you, then you plug it in for an hour anyway. What's the, what's the problem? But they're saying technology is changing and, and it's everyone's focused, particularly Elon Musk, on batteries. And they're saying that what could happen is you could just swap out a battery potentially. You pull up to a petrol station and you just literally hand over your expired battery, take up a fully charged one and you're out in five minutes. So that could potentially happen in the future as well. How soon that is, we don't know. But basically technology is moving at such a fast clip that whatever we say now about event horizons will actually materially differ from year to year. I think we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, We're looking into the future. Let's hope we see you next week.